Gets it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson. Marcel with the open net and he scores. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. So very much to talk about today. We have the injury update on Johnny Boychuk, and it's a mixed bag. Obviously, uh, don't like to see injuries like that, but it certainly could have been a lot worse. We'll break that down. We'll talk a little bit about the team's uh, departure from Brooklyn on a slightly different angle, and of course, we will try to figure out exactly what this Islanders team has to do to turn things around, as they have been in a free fall lately, including winless in their last four games, 0-2-2. So, lots to discuss here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like us to discuss, you could shoot shoot us an email at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name, where you're from, and we'll be happy to mention you on the air and discuss whatever it is that's on your mind, and we'll give you credit for that. Also, you could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you can contact us that way, or you can contact me and follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYR, VS, NYI, and we will keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. All right, let's start off with the news. Regarding defenseman Johnny Boychuk, uh, if you watched the game on Tuesday, a horrific accidental injury. Uh, Player's skate came up, clipped him in the face. He left the game midway through the third period, obviously unable to return, rushing really off the ice as it was uh, very dramatic and, and scary out there, uh, to say the least. He knew right away he had to get off the ice and get some medical attention. So Barry Trotz giving an update uh, during Wednesday's practice with regard to Boychuk. He needed 90 plus stitches to close the the wound near his eyebrow. And uh, he did not, thankfully, he did not suffer any serious major injuries that will require surgery. He had the stitches. Obviously, it's going to take some time for that to heal and for him to feel well enough to play. So he is officially listed as day-to-day, but he will not play tonight in Ottawa against the Senators. And uh, look, again, could have been much, much worse. We're thankful that Boychuk is going to be okay. His brother tweeting, uh, thanking people for their well wishes and sort of giving everybody Uh, a basic update that Boychuk should be just fine, but it'll take time. According to Barry Trotz, Noah Dobson going to step into the lineup and take his place, and the Islanders indicated they may, on an emergency basis, call up Thomas Hickey from uh, Bridgeport and have him 
there for depth uh, just in case. That hasn't actually happened yet as of this recording, but again, Follow us on Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date on all the Islanders' latest transactions. If they do indeed call up Hickey to essentially play Dobson's role, and again, what this does for the Islanders is it shortens the bench and shortens the lineup because the Islanders do not have as much faith in Dobson in big situations, and whereas Green and Boychuk as a third pair, for example— will play 15 to 18 minutes a game. They usually keep Dobson between 8 and 11 minutes a game, and that means the other five defensemen are going to have more ice time and, you know, maybe get a little bit more tired down the stretch, uh, as the case may be. So, something to keep an eye on there, but uh, essentially, Noah Dobson back into the lineup. Johnny Boychuk out. He's day-to-day, but out indefinitely right now. And uh, the Islanders, again, having to adjust, and hopefully they will be able to get back on track. As far as uh, the Islanders' scoring woes are concerned, not a lot that they can do as far as the lineup goes for this season. That's There's a, a whole bunch of issues that need to be addressed in the offseason. But the big challenge, and it's something that Barry Trotz has to address immediately, is the team's compete level, their effort, their willingness to go out there and play a hard, physical, smart hockey game. It's something they did so well during the 17-game point streak in October and November, and it's something they're not doing well at all since then, and especially in recent games. This Islanders team is actually playing just 500 hockey since that streak ended. And right now, the way they're playing, that's not going to be good enough to get the Islanders into the playoffs. So if you're Barry Trotz, the time is now to get in front of your team and address this issue before it becomes a major problem. Look, uh, you, you, you look at the last four games that the Islanders have played, and they're 0-2-2 in those four contests. Games against the Blues and the Bruins, that's the defending Stanley Cup champion and the team with the best record in the league, you don't necessarily expect the Islanders to win those games. And the fact that they got a point against the Blues on the road is almost a bonus. But when you're facing a team like the Rangers, who the Islanders did outplay for most of that game, And then you're facing a team like the Canadiens at home. Those are games you've got to come up with points. And right now, this team is struggling. And you look, I spoke to some people. I saw a Facebook uh, and Twitter posting by a longtime season ticket holder and fan who basically essentially said, I never left a game early, but I had to leave this one because it was just very, very difficult to watch this team struggle and not give effort. That is very untrots-like, for lack of a better word. And you go back over this team's schedule. And, you know, they had the two wins against Detroit and San Jose. But prior to that, they had four straight losses. 
And now they've had four losses after that. This team is 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10 games. And if they don't find a way to pick it up real soon, they are in big trouble when it comes to the playoff race. All right, we're going to step aside right now. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the fact that there's only two games left at the Barkley Center. Plus, we'll have this date in Islanders history and a preview of tonight's game against the Senators in Ottawa. It's a big one. They're all big from here on in. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back. And a couple of days ago on the show, I did mention that I think it was a very good thing that the Islanders are going to play all of their playoff games this year and all of their schedule, home schedule next year at the Nassau Coliseum, and and I think, again, most Islander fans feel the same way, but a few things do need to be said about the Barclays Center and the experience there. Um, first of all, the Barclays Center, the staff there, they are great, and they eventually, you know, it took them a little while to, to, to get familiar with the sport of hockey and to learn about the sport of hockey, but you know, a lot of those people there, you speak to them now, they're into it. And they're courteous, they're nice, they're helpful, and certainly, you know, thank you to them for everything that they've done while the Islanders have been tenants at the Barclay Center. But to me, the more important factor, you could talk all you want about the obstructed view seats and about the scoreboard that's not in the middle of the ice and about the difficulty or the you know, lack of convenience of getting from Long Island to Brooklyn for games. And those are all legitimate criticisms to one extent or another. But I think what a lot of people have to remember about the Barclays Center is that if it wasn't for Brooklyn, the New York Islanders would now be playing their home games in Quebec City or Kansas City or Hamilton, Ontario. There would no longer be a New York Islanders in the New York metropolitan area, and there would not be a need for an arena, a new arena at Belmont, if there was no Barclays Center. Charles Wong did not have a place to play unless he, you know, found time to squeeze games in at Madison Square Garden, which wouldn't have been convenient for the fans either. Couldn't continue to play at the Coliseum while it was being renovated. I mean, Newark would have been even less convenient than the Garden or Brooklyn. By moving the games to Brooklyn, it helped keep this team in the New York area and allowed them to eventually get back to Long Island in the form of Belmont. So, yeah, there are problems with uh, with Brooklyn. Yeah, it wasn't always the most convenient or the best place to watch a hockey game. But at the end of the day, no Barclays Center. No team still playing their home games anywhere near Long Island. And to lose this franchise would have been an absolute travesty for Long Island, for the fans, for the NHL in a lot of ways. So uh, think what you want about Brooklyn and whether it was a mistake or whether it was a good move. And there are a lot of things that you could criticize about the way it was handled, uh, both from a PR standpoint and from a practical standpoint. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, no Barclays Center, no more New York Islanders. 
And, uh, you know, Charles Wong essentially saved this franchise and the Barclays Center essentially saved this franchise for the New York area and for Long Island by moving them to the Barclays Center. And so while this chapter in Islanders history is drawing to a close, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all, uh, it also has to be recognized for the importance it had in the franchise's history. All right, one thing that is comforting if you're an Islanders fan, and that is that this team recognizes that its effort really was not acceptable and that they really need to turn things around quickly. Here's a quote from Barry Trotz after uh, the game against the Canadiens, and uh, here it is. There's guys like Andrew Ladd and Ross Johnston. They're putting in the work. They're going to get an opportunity. So you see Trotz hinting at lineup changes that will be coming down the pike. And, uh, you know, he's got to do something. He's absolutely got to do something to help turn this team around. Ryan Pulak, it's frustrating. It's unacceptable. Uh, <clears throat> there's winning and losing, but it's more frustrating when you don't get an effort. We just didn't have that tonight. We weren't ourselves. And the Islanders, definitely, it's time. They need to find themselves, so to speak, and they don't have a lot of time to do it. The other aspect of things that needs to be discussed is the goaltending situation. And the Islanders are in a little bit of a quandary right now. You don't want to overwork and overuse Simeon Varlamov, and I think that's more or less what they've done in the last, let's say, two to three weeks. And what's been happening now, Varlamov has played okay recently, but Grice has barely been used. Certainly the lack of work is hurting his ability to play well. And we saw that on Tuesday night against the Canadiens, where Grice just did not have his A game. And, you know, when you only play once in eight, nine, or ten games, that's going to prevent you from being as sharp as you can as a goalie. So now you have a situation where Grice needs work to get sharp again, but they can't afford to put him out there and play poorly, like, you know, giving up three goals on 12 shots in the first period like he did against Montreal. You don't want to get Varlamov too tired because assuming this team still does make the playoffs, you're going to need Varlamov to be your goaltender and you can't exhaust him just getting there. But you can't afford to not play him if he's the only goalie who's playing halfway decently. Unfortunately, the way the schedule is and the way the standings are, this team does not have a lot of room for error, and they need to figure out, and they need to figure out pretty quickly what they're going to do in order to right the ship with the goaltending. Look, part of it is they've got to be smarter in their own zone. They've got to play better team defense in front of whoever's in between the pipes. And when you look back at that 17-game point streak, more than anything, they were playing smart team defense. The forwards were coming back and back-checking. The defensemen and the forwards were making the simple play to get the puck out of the zone, whether it was to skate it out or to pass it out and keep the puck along the boards if they're going out, not up the middle, not turning pucks over at or near the blue line. These are mistakes we're seeing right now again and again from this team, and it's got to change immediately 
if they're going to right the ship. All right, when we come back, we will have this date in Islanders history, plus a preview of tonight's game in Ottawa against the Senators. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We go back to March 5th, 1996 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders hosting the Boston Bruins. In a big game there, Bill Ranford gets the start for Boston. Eric Fischow is the netminder for the Islanders, and it was the Islanders getting on the board first. Tim Sweeney of Boston in the penalty box for tripping, and Zygmunt Palfi gets his 31st of the year on the power play from Matthew Schneider and Wendell Clark at 351, and it was one to nothing Islanders. Then late in the period, it was Wendell Clark's turn the reluctant captain had his 23rd of the year from Travis Green and Ziggy Palfi at 15:44 after 20 minutes Islanders 2 and the Bruins nothing but Boston gets back into the game Sandy Moger scores just a minute 55 into the second period it's his 10th from Todd Ellick and Ray Bork and it's a 2 to 1 hockey game but the Islanders take advantage of a penalty by Boston again. This time, Rick Zombo off for obstruction holding, and Palfi makes the Bruins pay. On the power play, his 32nd from Travis Green at 4.06 of the second period, and the Islanders led 3-1. But the Bruins don't quit. And less than a minute after the Palfi's second goal, Rick Tockett gets his 20th from Adam Oates at 4.58, and after 40 minutes, it was a 3-2 hockey game with the Islanders clinging to that one-goal lead. In the third period, that lead disappeared just two minutes, 49 seconds in. Sean McEachern, his 20th from Ellick and Bork, and it was all even at 3-3. But Ziggy Palfi completes his hat trick, his 33rd, from Schneider at 5.47, and then Dan Plant, his third, from Marty McGinnis at 13.32, gives the Islanders a cushion. Islanders beating the Bruins by a score of 5-3. Wendell Clark a goal and an assist. Two assists for Schneider and Travis Green, and three goals and one assist for Ziggy Palfi in this game. Meanwhile, Eric Fischow, 32 saves to earn the victory as the Islanders come away with the win. Craig Billington, by the way, uh, gave up the final goal of the game in this one for Boston. So he got into the game late. But at the end of the day, with the Palfi hat trick, Islanders in their Fisherman logo jerseys beating the Boston Bruins 5-3 on this date in Islanders history, March the 5th. 1996. All right, so tonight in Ottawa, it's the Islanders and the Senators. Folks, this is a game the Islanders have to win. This is a weak Ottawa team, presently seventh in the Atlantic Division, 23-32-12. They'd be last in almost any division except for the fact that the Detroit Red Wings, the worst team in the league, by record at least, are also in the Atlantic Division. And just to give you an idea right now, 13 points separate the Ottawa Senators from the Islanders' opponent Tuesday. 
the Montreal Canadiens and the Canadiens are on the outside looking in as far as the playoff picture is concerned. Ottawa 23rd in the league in goals scored, 30th in the league in goals against. Their special teams are no better. They are 29th on the power play out of 31 teams with a 15.0% power play success rate. And their penalty kill 24th in the league. They kill 77.1% of opposing teams' power plays. The goaltenders, Craig Anderson is the starter. He is 9-16-2, a 3-3-5 goals against and an 898 save percentage. Marcus Hogberg, 5-7-8 on the year, a 304 goals against average and a 909 save percentage. And then Anders Nielsen uh, is 9-9-2 with a 318 goals against and a 908 save percentage. Leading scorer right now, Connor Brown with 15 goals and 41 points. Actually, the player who has scored the most goals this year for the Senators, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who has 24 goals. He is, of course, now a member of the Islanders, and this is a big homecoming for Pajot. Brady Kachuk, 19 goals, 40 points. Anthony Duclair right now is the leading goal scorer. He's got 22, along with 37 points uh, for the Senators, who are struggling big time uh, on both facets of the game, both in scoring and in team defense, keeping the puck out. We look at the line combinations. Ex-Ranger Artem Nisimov is the first line center. He pivots between Brady Kachuk and Bobby Ryan. Chris Tierney is the second line center. Rudolph's Balsers and Connor Brown are on his wings. The third liner, Colin White, and he centers Nick Paul and Jace uh, Horaluk. And Matthew Pekka is the fourth line center. Uh, Mikkel Bodiker, uh, Bodker, rather, and Scott Sabarin are his wingers. As for the blue line pairings, Thomas Chabot and Ron Hainsey are the first pair. Mike Riley and Nikita Zaitsev is the second pairing. And the third line of uh, defensemen right now, Andreas England and Christian Jaros. Uh, injuries, obviously, whenever a team is struggling the way the uh, Senators are, there there are always, unfortunately, uh, players who are banged up, and it always hurts the Ottawa Senators. But right now, that's the lineup they're going with, and uh, they will face an, a desperate New York Islanders team uh, in Ottawa tonight. A game, let's face it, we said earlier this week that in the two games against Montreal and Ottawa, the Islanders needed to get at least three points. That's no longer possible. But now, you got to get two. And you got to also look for a big game against Pajot, uh, from Pajot, who should be emotional about his return to Ottawa so soon after that trade deadline deal. That's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans and hockey fans find the podcast, and it helps us grow our Locked On Islanders family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. We'll be back tomorrow with a full review of this, plus a preview 
of all this weekend's games and a reassessment of where the Islanders are as they fight for a playoff spot. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.